The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. With your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, black and white and blue all over. Inside an American black woman. What does it mean to be a black woman in America? Today, Beth Green will interview Roz Hobson, a black woman with roots in the South and upbringing in the West and life experiences that are cliches for black American families. How does she refuse to be pigeonholed while simultaneously acknowledging the reality of race? How do we all embrace who we are and not be defined by being straight, gay, Asian, white, rich, poor, whatever? Stay tuned and let's find out. And now let's hear from your host, Beth Green, from the Inside Out. Hi, everybody. Uh, I am so happy to be doing this show today because I have been thinking about this topic a lot. Many of you, of course, uh, know that uh, tomorrow is the 50th anniversary of the uh, Martin Luther King I Have a Dream speech, the March on Washington in 1963 for uh, jobs and freedom. It was a huge boost to the civil rights movement. So people are talking a lot about race, and how incredibly coincidental is that that Roz is going to be joining us today and sharing her experience. But I'll tell you why I'm really excited to talk about this topic, because I've been thinking about how the issue of roles really applies to all of us. And that's the exciting thing about this topic because it's not just straight or gay or black or white. It's, uh, it's not just men or women. It's being a mother or not being a mother or being a spiritual teacher or whatever it is that we think we are and how we can do our job but not be trapped by our roles. And I think that what Roz is going to be sharing is going to be, you know, an important uh, insight for all of us. And I've, I've been looking at how I feel constrained by being a, quote, spiritual teacher. Now, I have been doing spiritual teaching since 1980, if not before, when I had this major psychic awakening. And, you know, I've written books and founded organizations and given many talks and all of that kind of thing. And I'm also an intuitive counselor, and James and I work together, as many of you already know. But what role does that put me in? And for those of you who listened to our show last week, we were talking to Kingsley Dennis about hierarchies and pecking orders, waking up and busting out. And if you haven't listened to that show yet, you might want to tune in and uh, hear that conversation because we're talking about how we get into these hierarchies of people being above and below. And actually, this conversation that we're going to be having today with Roz is very connected to that because roles put us in hierarchies. Now, I'm not talking about division of labor. I'm talking about 
roles where you get stuck. Like a division of labor is, okay, I'm going to wash the dishes and you're going to make the pasta. And I'm not in the role. And even if I'm the one who always washes the dishes and you're the one who always makes the pasta, I'm not defined by being a dishwasher. Whereas if I go out and I get a job as a dishwasher, people might see me as a dishwasher. If I'm taking care of a baby for an afternoon, that doesn't make me a mom. But if I have a baby, people are going to start seeing me and I might start seeing me as a mom. And what does that mean? I have all kinds of ideas about what a mom is supposed to look like and what a spiritual teacher is supposed to look like and what an intuitive counselor is supposed to look like. For example, spiritual teachers are supposed to be spiritual. Now, (laughs) what does that mean anyway? Uh, yeah, a certain connection to or dedication to the divine energies. Does that mean that I'm supposed to walk around and be slightly elevated above the earth? Does it mean that uh, I'm supposed to be able to hear voices from above, which in my case I happen to? Uh, Does that mean that I'm supposed to be better than everybody, kinder than everybody? Uh, Am I always that? Can I always be that? Do I always want to be that? See, I'm looking at being a healthy person. And a healthy person in my mind is a person who has all her parts or his parts and can respond appropriately in different situations rather than being stuck in a role. So that's how I'd like you to be thinking about this show as we're talking to Roz about all the different roles that we get stuck in and the stereotypes that we put on ourselves and the expectations that we have of ourselves because of these roles we've taken on and how authentic can we be when we are kind of trapped in them or we become trapped in them. So with no further ado, I would like to invite my guest, Roz Hobson, to join us. She's a lovely person and very honest, and I'm just so delighted to invite you to speak now and to talk to our audience and to me, and we're definitely hoping that some of you will call in with questions. So, uh, Roz, let me introduce you to my audience and welcome you to Inside Out. Well, thank you, Beth and James. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Was anything... Uh, sparked in your mind by my introduction? Well, you know, the conversation about roles, um, it, you know, it, it, and and thinking about, you know, this being the 50th anniversary of the, the I Have a Dream speech, I've been thinking a lot about what are the roles that uh, my race, my gender has been put into mm-hmm. and how much that's changed. Uh, in my lifetime, let alone uh, the lifetime of those who were here back at that original time, like me, yeah, <laughs> <Like> James, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Like I wasn't, I wasn't here for that. I wasn't <laughs> here for that walk. I was thinking about that last night. It's like, but I can still see in my my very short forty some odd years how much things have changed just in my lifetime, mm-hmm. and um, the the roles that I I have felt myself trapped in to by society and even by myself. 
Yes, and isn't that the biggest thing is how we see ourselves and how we trap ourselves in roles? Uh, you know, I'd like to share something with you, Russ, since you brought up the fact that you weren't here at that time. Um, I know you've heard this a million times, but there are people out there in, uh, in the audience who may not actually be aware of this because there are people younger than myself and even younger than you, uh, that when I was growing up, there were almost no role models for black people that were respected. I mean, we had these kind of funky role models, uh, step and fetch it, and, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, blackface and all of that. But you didn't see the doctor, you know, the handsome doctor, uh, black doctor, and you didn't have the black president, and you didn't have visions of blacks on television, uh, on uh, in movies that were powerful, that were human, uh, that were normal, that were real, and the incredible struggle that people like uh, Harry Belafonte and Sidney Poitier, who were actors at the time, and Ruby Dee and Ossie Davis, and oh, and so many others, just coming onto the media and showing a different side of being black. It's it was painful. It was really painful, and and uh, and it was hard not to see blacks as maids, and th- and that's that's all they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and you know, while we have come a long way, I can still feel the pain of that today. Yeah, um, you know, we still struggle against stereotypes and being stereotyped into okay, well, now before it was the maid, well, now it's the it's the gangbanger. Yeah. Or or the ghetto the ghetto mom as if that that was all that we could be or all anyone could be no matter what your color is, mm-hmm. um, and there is so much pain around that that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, and isn't there also pain around being stereotyped as the perfect black family? Most certainly. <laughs> Uh, being stereotyped as the one who has it together. That's one of the roles that I have, uh, I have uh, had in my lifetime. Um, not only from, you know, my family, but also my workplace. It, it has just really, it seemed honestly to follow me wherever I go. And, and the truth is, is I've got nothing together. <laughs> well, does that mean that you see yourself as having to have everything together as well as other people thinking of you as the one who has everything together? Yes. It's there. It was recently was having this conversation about, you know, what we have and what we can bring at any given point in time. And some people may have other more resources than another to bring. And on some, I do have some gifts that I can bring, Mm -hmm. but, but there's a time where I can get in my own head about it as if, I'm supposed to be able to do that all the time for everyone. And that's not possible. It's not human. But it took me a while to kind of figure that out. Do do you feel like you have to prove something on behalf of the black race? I don't know if it's as much as on behalf of the black race. I'm probably, there's there's probably that underneath everything. Mm -hmm. But it starts as close to home as proving something for my own family. Mm. Um, proving something for my for my mother, for my sister, for the people I care about. Mm. You know, even proving pe- proving it for the people that I work with. Um, 
it's it's so much closer than just the 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 larger collective but i i'm sure that it stems from that mm-hmm. that you know we have tried for so long to to be seen as something other than the color of our skin mm-hmm. um how did you feel Roz, uh, about the color of your skin as you were grow- growing up. We, we mentioned that your family comes from the South and you were born in the South, but you grew up in Denver. Do you, can you encapsulate how you actually felt about being black in those days? I don't want to give your age away, but you can. Oh, I already did. <laughs> I'm in my 40s. I'll, okay. I'm happy to say I'll be 43 in a month. <laughs> okay. So um, what, what are those? What, don't make me subtract. That's, that's beyond I, I, my... I was born in the 70s, and I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. Okay. In Denver. Okay. And, so, yeah. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. So what was that like? How did you feel about being black then? How did you see being black? Well, I think on some level I tried not so much to identify with it. Um, I just wanted to be accepted. So if the accepted meant speaking well and getting good grades and doing well, if that was quote unquote seen as the white way, then I fit in really well. Mm. Um, Accepted by whom? Accepted by whites, blacks, or everybody? I think everyone. Okay. I just, I just, I wanted it with everyone. I think all, I think always with my family first, mm. but there's also, once I step outside of the home, it's like wherever I go, just, 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 just take me in mm. is really what I wanted. Just mm-hmm. take me in. Mm. So it puts a lot of pressure on you to try to be a chameleon really mm. and to not be yourself ultimately. So is that, that's kind of interesting. Let me go back to that question and see if something else pops up for you now. Mm-hmm. About uh, So how did you feel about being black? Because you've talked about wanting to be accepted by blacks, by whites, by your family, by everybody. Probably. I, felt less, I felt less than. Okay. And, and can you identify why? Well, all that I had seen was that we were less than. As you said, there really weren't the role models that were, um, that were in the popular culture mm-hmm. that were showing us that we were important and that we had something to offer. There weren't a lot. I'm not saying that there weren't any. That's, I don't, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But there weren't a lot. Mm-hmm. And so what we did have is we had the churches. Mm. but I wasn't looking to be accepted in church. Mm. I wanted to be accepted at school and I wanted to be accepted with my friends and I wanted to be accepted when I went out into the world, Mm. out on the street. And so, you know, as a, as a teenager, as a child, you take for granted that you have, you have the role models of your ministers and of the people who are coming at you from the church because they're not as important in your world as those people out there on the street. Well, did you have role models in the street? You know, I had, I had my friends who had parent, who, who came from a two-parent family. I actually had quite a few of those, and I didn't. Ah, I, I came from I came from 
might, might be a, a blended family. My mom was a single mother, uh, but I had an aunt who raised me with my mother. Uh, I didn't have a father around. Mm-hmm. And not having that stable environment definitely had an impact as well. Mm. So would you say that you were that in some way more than or connected to race, there was the issue of feeling like you didn't have a legitimate family? Yeah, that I wasn't legitimate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that feels like it might actually uh, be as big, if not bigger, than the, the piece about race. But And how does that connect to the piece about race? Well, I'd say the connection to race is that it's it's reinforced is really the connection that there isn't anything that is uh contradicting that when I go out into the world mm-hmm. uh, i I didn't quite follow well i don't I didn't have while I may have had the friends who had the two parent family, yeah, it wasn't like their households were perfect either, okay. But I wanted them to be. Definitely. So it's easier to hang on to the not perfect than to be in the world of, well, everybody's just like me and they're just not legitimate. Because you don't have two parents. You don't have a lot of money. You're struggling pretty much everywhere. Okay, I think there's something you're saying here. That is really, really interesting, Roz, and I can't put my finger on it. Um, so I'm going to, we're, very shortly, we're going to be going on to a commercial break. Mm-hmm. And I'd like you to, like, take a look on the inside out and see ex- exactly what you're saying, that there may be something about how you saw your family in relationship to other families, that they didn't look as good to you as you wanted them to look. And maybe there's something in that neighborhood, but I don't know yet. In the meantime, I'm going to leave you with that very confusing question. And <laughs> Great. Thank you. Did, did you get that very confusing question? I got that it was a confusing question. Who knows what's going to come up when we come back? Right. There's something that's coming. I can feel something coming our way. I love it. So, guys, stay tuned. Don't go away and come back while we interview Roz Hobson. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. 
invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Uh, We're now taking calls. If you'd like to call in with a question or a comment, please call us at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Okay. Okay, guys. You may have noticed a little blip there. <laughs> but that's okay. We're back. Uh, Roz, um, I'm kind of probing uh, here, but, but it, it feels like there's something that you haven't quite said that had to do with you and comparing yourself to others. And, and what is it? Well, one thing that is noticeable for me is that we, uh, we were poor. And we were poor at least in comparison to uh, how I saw the other families around me, black or white, but particularly black with my, with my black friends. Mm-hmm. Um, And I didn't want to be. <laughs> I didn't want to have the hand-me-down jeans. And I, I, I wanted to be able to go shopping, you know, and to buy all the cool stuff. And, you know, what kid doesn't? Um, what, what did poor mean to you? What, what was the role of poor? What was the whole self-limiting, uh, self-limiting uh, feeling about being poor? Well, it felt as if we were stuck. Like there just there was nothing else but this. Um, so it's like I had no options. Okay, so you felt that if you, that poor was uh, a destiny, not just a condition. Mm-hmm. And yes. so this is like another role. It's like instead of having it be something like okay, I'm washing dishes, but I am not a dishwasher. Uh, it's like I'm poor, and that makes me something. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I bet a lot of people out there can identify with you, Roz, because many of us either have been poor or have a fear of being poor. And what do you think that role is that connects to being poor? I'm not sure if I understand the question. Well, what's the, what is the role of the of the poor person? What's that self definition that you get stuck with that you have to live out forever? If you're poor, in your mind, well, there's there's just there's nothing else. There is nowhere to go. There are no options. There is no dream. Ah. Uh... You know, I was listening to King's speech last night. Yes. And um and he talked about blacks being able to have the opportunity to reach for the same American dream that everyone else has. 
Yeah. But that's what they were fighting for. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you know what's very interesting, Roz, is that the, the, the march was for jobs and freedom. It wasn't just for black equality. Right. I know. It, I, I, I got that last night when I looked at the when I looked at it again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's why it struck me mm-hmm. that it wasn't it wasn't even as much about blacks being able to have that, but everyone, everyone being able to reach for that dream mm-hmm. and that they actually have the right to dream. Mm-hmm. And you felt like you didn't have that. No. And that was as much about being poor as it was about being black, but probably you had those, con- you know, connected in your head. Definitely. Oh, yeah. So how, how do you think you were impacted by feeling that, that you were being poor meant that you could have no dreams? I guess no, no power either. That would be my guess. It is. It's feeling powerless. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's really interesting, Roz, because I'd like to contrast that to my experience, um, only for the interest of the contrast, you know, because I grew up in a very poor family, too. And, um, but I came up in a different culture. I came up in a Jewish family, and uh, my parents were absolutely determined that my brother and I were going to go to school. I mean, that was, that was it. We didn't have a choice, by the way. Talk about being in a role. <laughs> you know, we also were constrained by, uh, you know, the roles that we were put in. But our parents moved to a, a, a house blocks away from the New York border with Long Island. And that was because they had to be inside the city of New York so that we could get a free education. Because at that time, uh, you know, you could get a free education in the city of New York. And I blessed the city of New York for that because I did get a free education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so for me, it was the sky's the limit. But that was your only choice. Either way, it's still limiting. Yeah, yeah. Either way, it's still limiting. Yes, it is. Like (coughs) I had to be an overachiever. I always felt that I had to bring everybody out of poverty. You know, my parents did a really good job with what they had, but um, it was just just the opposite. There was a lot of pressure to perform, 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 and. so I just wanted to share that with you, that that was an alternative way, but in a, in a way it was still a trap. And there were so many things that I didn't want to do or be that I couldn't even consider. And I remember uh, as a young woman, say I was brought up listening to classical music, by, I, and I appreciate that very much because I do love classical music, and I was trained as a classical musician. And that was all part of this other way of being, which very much suited me in some ways. But I remember sneaking into a room when I was about mm, 14 years old and listening to Ray Charles on the radio. And my mind was blown. (laughs) I loved Ray Charles. And I loved that music, and I felt like a part of me was being released that had been shut down by being white. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
you know. And I wanted to get in the groove of that music. And then I started listening to Latin music. And I said, hey, I'm a Latina. I just could identify because you could, you're, you know, I could be white and still be, you know, Cuban. And uh, I loved it. I felt liberated. There was a whole aspect of me that was not being given any space to be because I was white and because I was on this track. And of course, that was a long time ago, as some of our, our listeners can tell. <laughs> so there it is. But it shows the overall connection between us all because yeah. we are all put into some role where we are limited, no matter what our socioeconomic background or our race or our culture. Like we're all faced with that same challenge. Exactly. How do we be with who we are and not be defined by it? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to give up doing spiritual teaching. I just don't want to be a spiritual teacher. You know, I don't want to be defined by that. That's one of the reasons I'm doing this radio show. And I hope that there are people out there listening to this radio show because I want this radio show to be a success <laughs> so I could do something in my life that's different from what I've been doing for all these years, which is trying to save people one way or the other, either through political activism, which is what I was doing in my early life, or through what I call spiritual activism, but this effort to, uh, to, to support the transformation of consciousness on the planet. I want that to be something that I'm dedicated to and I'm connected to, but that I'm not limited by. And how the heck are we going to do that, Roz? Well, we're going to start first by being connected to ourselves. And, and, and when I say that, I mean honestly. Like to all the parts of ourselves. Like I can be connected and love my blackness and my heritage and where I come from. And have that give me, give, give, give to my being. But it's not all that I am. But we do have to own where we come from. Mm-hmm. But so what that's is where we this, start. But what is this? Now, I'm just going to you know, annoy you here. What <laughs> is the yourself that you have to connect to? It's the woman. It's the part who's black. It's the part who identifies with being white. It's the part who identifies with being poor. It's the part who identifies with being spiritual. It's the part who identifies with every kind of music that's out there. It's all of those things for me. Mm-hmm. It's you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I um, have these, this little book called God's Little Aphorisms, and it's, it's made up of a whole bunch of lines, one-liners that I got from the source, God, whatever that higher consciousness is. And um, now I can't remember why I brought that up. I was going to give you one of those. <laughs> I think there's a one-liner in there that probably fits. <laughs> there is a one-liner in there that probably fits. And I, I just like, I got so blocked. I wonder if there's any resistance to... Yeah, I have an idea. Is it the one about becoming who you really are? What one was that? I could uh, get the book and look it up while you're talking. <laughs> yeah, James, you, you, thank you. Uh, yeah. I, oh, I know what it is. Thank you. I okay. don't even know if it's in the book or not, 
But if, if it isn't, I wish it were. But I needed to write more books of Gazal aphorisms because I had a whole lot of them. Uh, but one of the things that I was told is don't wake up every morning and recreate yourself in your own self-image. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was feeling this morning when I was going through all this turmoil about myself and all this, you know, radical revamping of who I am, which I've done more than once, by the way, and, uh, and connecting to what we were going to talk about today. I thought, you know, all I have to really do is not recreate myself in my own self-image as I get up and start the day and just allow myself to be fluid and to be who I am that day. Because if I have to connect to myself, and of course I have to connect to myself, and I don't disagree with you. I mean, that would be ridiculous. I, I do agree with you completely. But what I'm saying to you is uh, there's this other way of thinking about it, which isn't even about then saying, well, who am I? Because that's the internal question, who am I? I love the I am nobody. I, yes. I, you know, I am whatever is coming through me at the moment. And I love that spiritual connection when you feel connected to the oneness and you feel connected to the source and you feel connected to that divine energy and it's flowing through you and you feel at peace about yourself and you're okay with your reactions and you don't have to fit any image that you had about yourself even 30 seconds ago. Like, I am a bitch today and maybe there's a reason. I wonder what's going on. I wonder what I'm reacting to. And just to be able to recognize that maybe I'm not being a bitch, but that I'm just really fighting for myself for the first time in my life. And I have so many definitions of what it is to be a spiritual person that that is just totally unacceptable to me. And that some ego part of me is coming in and judging me for being that way. And that is just what is coming through me. That is what is birthing in me. That is how I'm fighting for myself that day that I'm judging as being the bitch. And I wouldn't even know how to be this without some judgments coming up because I've been so constrained all my life to be another way that naturally when I start breaking free of how I've been, I I think there's something wrong. Hmm. That's awesome. I, I I see that as just allowing ourselves to just be who we are in the moment. And to, it's kind of like being a leaf that's being blown in the wind. Yeah. And at the same time, still taking accountability, accountability. for our consciousness and not just like running over other people. Oh, yeah, I just feel like you know, running you over. So that's who I am at this moment. Mm-hmm. So combining that. You know, Roz, I know that you have, uh, you're a singer and a musician, and uh, I'd love you to share a little bit about what music has meant to you and, and how that has played into you just being yourself without any identity at all. Um, well, I think music has been my savior. Mm. Um, and it's been the vehicle through which I have been able um, to find my truest expression. And if I were uh, 
to be defined at any moment in time in my life at any period, it probably could have been seen through the music and the way in which I was, I was singing. Mm. Um, from, you know, when I first started going on stage and feeling as if I had to be perfect at everything, um, to having to be, um, a strong leader as a front person, even though I didn't want to be, um, to feeling very, um, vulnerable in my music and questioning my ability to um, a person who has begun to learn to just kind of go with the flow, um, to just be guided by the music mm-hmm. and lifted um, and taken to places that honestly, if I had thought about them, I could have never gotten to on my own. Mm. And uh, it's exhilarating. It is truly exhilarating what shows up. And I've been trying to bring that into my daily life. <laughs> you, know, that's, you know, what, what you just said is so striking uh, to me, Roz, is that instead of saying, I became a country singer or a jazz singer or this or that or the other thing, um, you're saying, I, well, no, let me put it another way. I became a certain person and therefore I became a jazz singer or I became a certain person and therefore I became a gospel singer or a country singer that you said, I, if I understand you correctly, I would sing and I could watch myself and who I was becoming in my singing because my singing was the expression of who I was without the definition of who I was and that I was getting glimpses and clues about who I was based on how I was singing, what I was singing, what was coming out of me. Exactly. So I love that. Mm-hmm. I love it too. <laughs> yeah. Roz, I'm going to put you on the spot. I swore I wouldn't do this, but mm-hmm. after the break, um, it would be great if you could just sing something. You know, there's no, just whatever comes through you in this moment, to sing something just so that you can see who you are in this moment and so that all of us can see who you are because we have love and blessings for you. So uh, leaving you with that thump, uh, we are <laughs> uh, going to be going into a brief commercial break. Don't go away. Come back soon. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is Beth at BethGreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Beth into your world in person or via the internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. 
At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome back. Uh, So I put Roz on the spot. (laughs) <laughs> she did <laughs> I did I asked her to sing something so that she could see who. She, but now I'm going to mess you up even more because before you do that I have another question for you okay. which is uh, how do you most not want to be identified as black meaning what stereotype do you not want people to have about you that you don't want to feel trapped by yourself hmm Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I, I think it is the, uh, the strong, hard ass bitch. (laughs) Ooh, yay. I like that. You know, when I, uh, I, you know, I grew up in New York city, so I didn't, I thought Jews were everywhere and were accepted everywhere. I didn't know about anti-Semitism until I went off to college when I was 16 and uh, my God, I was shocked to find out the way the rest of the world thought of us. And the one thing that I hated the most is they said that Jews were cheap and stingy and money-grubbing. And see, that was so not my experience. It really irked me. But now, now I find that I'm forced to defend that, that Jews are not that way. It's like, I don't want to defend it. I don't want to agree with it. I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to have any part of it. I just want to, I, 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 you know what I mean? Because I do. If, if you're fighting a stereotype or you're being a stereotype or whatever it is, you're still being defined by that stereotype. So I want to tell my audience right now that I have no, nothing to say on that subject because I don't even want to get into it. So now, Roz. <laughs> 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 it's so funny, but I have something to say about that. Oh, no! <laughs> I oh, do. No. Okay, go ahead, honey. It, it, it's, the only thing is that it's, it's a stereotype whether I'm trying to be it or not to be it. It's just as you said. Exactly. And that is the uh, – uh, just my experience over time has been as I have worked to – I've either been it really strong. Or I've worked so hard to not be it that I have really become very powerless. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the piece I want to let go, mm-hmm. is letting go that I have to 
to do anything about it at all because that's where I have found that that's where my freedom has come. Yes. To just be me. Yes. So that's all I want to say about it. Yeah. I like that. Go, girl, go. All right. So what are you going to sing to us? I'm going to sing at last. Okay. (laughs) Unless you have a request. No, no. This is supposed to show you where you are, right? This is what's ever flowing through you. Yeah. All right. At last, my love has come along. My lonely days are over, and life is like a song. Oh, yeah. At last, the skies above are blue. My heart was wrapped up in clover. The night I looked at you. Now, as Roz is singing this, can each one of us think about ourselves as being the one, the love that's come along? Because I just, I, 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 that's what I, that's who I was thinking at. Is that what you're doing? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's my, that's why it popped into my head. Oh, my God. So I want everybody in the audience to be thinking of themselves as Roz goes on. It's like the, my love has come along. The, the night I looked at you or the day I looked at you, I can't remember which it was. So go for it. And everybody do this. I found a dream that I could speak to, a dream that I can call my own. I found a thrill to press my cheek to, a thrill that I've never and oh, you smiled, you smiled. And I knew the spell was cast. And here we are together. For you, my mind, at last. Yahoo! I have to say you overcame the limitations of the sound on this (laughs) (laughs) Skyping. Yeah, I can only imagine. (laughs) No, you just... You were incredible, Russ. That was that was so beautiful, just so beautiful, so touching. You just heard that from James Sue. I <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> so, what's next for for Roz Hobson, who doesn't know who she is because she doesn't want to have to figure that out anymore? What's next? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, that po- question popped being, into my head. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> For the person who isn't going to be defined, tell exactly. us what's next. Right. Huh. Just to continue to be open to guidance, 
and to what's possible to be a dreamer. Mm. Oh, to keep the dream alive. Yeah. And keep the dream alive. That's beautiful. And what would you say if, if there were, um, and I hope that there are, uh, young black people listening. And I, I'm not trying to address you only to black people, but this is a specific question. Young black people who are listening to you today, who grew up in maybe even in a, in a different society than the one you did, but are still dealing with issues of identity and race, uh, what would you say to them? What would you like to share with them from the bottom of your heart? Hmm. To never give up hope. And to always dream. Hope for what? <clears throat> Hope that we can be free from within. Mm-hmm. No matter how much you think you're in the box mm-hmm. or how difficult or impossible it may, it may seem to escape. It's not. Sometimes we just have to let go. Let go of what? Of what we're holding on to. Mm-hmm. Some need to prove something about ourselves. To prove something about ourselves, to be any way that we think we need to be, or even others think that we need to be. Mm-hmm. It's letting go of all of those ideas for real possibility to be available. I have gotten an uh, an email from a uh, a caller who didn't call uh, a listener who said um, you have not spoken much about the male female roles. How does mm-hmm. Roz think she's been pigeonholed by being a woman? Mm. Well. The biggest thing is that it's, it, it feeds into the, the legitimacy of what I have to offer. Um, I think I, I grew up thinking that the black woman was the lowest on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. And so that was one more role that I thought I had to attempt to overcome, mm-hmm. um, which is where the, the stone cold bitch comes from, because mm-hmm. I've got to fight my way out of that. Mm-hmm. And the alternative is, is that I'm weak. And I'm neither, mm-hmm. nor do I want to be either. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's being willing to let go of that I even have to be in the role mm-hmm. to fight against it. Mm-hmm. And that I could just be me. You know, this is, I, I wish that everybody would be listening to you today. <laughs> because I think this is so important for everyone i mean guys for god's sake guys who do you think you have to be what have you gotten yourself pigeonholed into you know why are the guys you know killing themselves in the gym who you know what i'm saying or competing or uh 
just playing either playing out a role that you've seen or trying to fight against that role it's the men are just as trapped in it as as the women as the women are yes mm-hmm. yes yes what's the 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 quote unquote stereotype of the of the young black male is that he won't make it past they won't make it past 18 i don't know what the current statistic is but again it's it's another role you know we don't have to live it Oh, you know, you really hit a nerve there because we have so many different things that are happening to, uh, you know, minorities. And uh, the, the, what I guess some people are calling the mass incarceration of black men is, you know, the blight of our own time. And, and the same is true, of course, of you know, Latino men who also feel like they have to get into a role of, uh, you know, f- you know, following some role model that is negative because that's how we find our identity. You know, I think it's really important. I, I grew up, as I told you before, I grew up in a Jewish family and it was such a big deal being Jewish and the Holocaust had just occurred. And so there was so much to prove about being Jewish and so much, uh, you know, loyalty that I needed to have because I couldn't be free because that would be betraying the Holocaust. And uh, I know that so many young people are feeling the need to be, uh, to honor the role models of um, either parents or gang members or brothers or whatever, either you're, you know, struggling against that role model or even trying to be it out of a sense of loyalty as well as out of a sense that there isn't anything else. And, you know, you know, for everybody to find their kind side, their soft side, their, their feeling side, their compassionate side, the, the, part, the side that loves women and doesn't have to prove power by uh, trampling on women all of these things uh, are freeing, could be freeing if we could just stop trying to fit some role model or fight against it and really free ourselves to be out of it. So, Roz, what would be the final thing that you would like to say today? Believe it or not, we're running out of time. Hmm. That we can all be free. It just starts from within. And we just have to work our asses off to overcome and we do. our conditioning. Yes. It didn't say it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, just it that it could happen. That, that it could be done. And and freedom is not the freedom to badmouth somebody else or hurt somebody or no. diss somebody. That freedom is really the freedom to express who we are in a real way. Mm-hmm. Our weaknesses, our strengths, our ups and downs, our feminine and masculine sides. And just to be able to be all of that is such freedom. I can't thank you enough, Roz, for coming on and being so open and vulnerable with us today. Uh, It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you. James, would you like to tell our listeners about our show for next week? Yes. Our next edition of Inside Out will be on the other side of the knife, inside a plastic surgeon, and more. We all need to face the question, how do we treat our bodies? Do we honor and nurture them, or do we exploit and hurt them? And why? Is plastic surgery an act of self-love or an endless quest for something unachievable or even self-destructive? Have we driven our bodies to prove something about ourselves? 
Our guest will be Dr. Carol Holland, a plastic surgeon with over 30 years' experience. Joining her will be her husband, Bob Hediger, a man paralyzed since 21, who has driven his body to be a hero and has paid a big price for it. This show applies to all of us. Join us next week. Tune in, call in, email your questions. And thank you so much for listening to our show and for supporting Inside Out. It's a blessing, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.